Welcome to the Good News Only, where you only hear good things about good people. My name is Tanya McIntyre, and as you may have guessed, I am passionate about positive media, and I'm passionate about positive media for a very good reason. You see, I spent over 20 years in negative media. I was a broadcast journalist. And I'm embarrassed to say, after all those years, 22 years I spent in that industry, and I was part of an agenda. That agenda of mainstream media is to perpetuate what I like to call the FUD factor, fear, uncertainty, and doubt. Perpetuating that FUD factor is definitely the agenda of mainstream media because I was part of it for far too long. And when I say mainstream media these days, I'm referring to media that is delivered to us in a multitude of ways. So whether you're getting it from news or advertising or social media, we are now spending one-third of our lives in front of a screen. I mean, think about that. Whether it's our phone, our tablet, our computer, our television, most of us are sitting or standing in front of a media screen now for eight hours a day on average. I see a a trend now in a lot of corporations is to have stand-up desks so people have that um, flexibility to be able to stand while they're working on the computer or sit to have that flexibility. But still, you're, you know, you're still standing in front of a media screen. I was standing waiting for an elevator the other day, and there was a media screen in between the two elevators uh, spewing advertising at me. So my mission in life now is to shine a spotlight on positive media, I think there is a dire need to highlight all the good stuff going on in the world and all the good people in the world to help offset all that negativity we're exposed to on a daily basis. The ratio to offset negativity, three to one. We need three positive messages to offset one negative message. So yes, I do have my work cut out for me. I'm aware of that. I founded The Good News only in 2010. I wanted there to be a resource for people to watch, read, and listen to all the good things about all the good people. And as always, I have one of those good people with us for this episode of the Good News Only radio show. Bob Notnagel has accomplished what only a very few of us manage to do in a lifetime. He has climbed Mount Kilimanjaro. Bob, welcome to the Good News Only. Great to have you here. Oh, thank you, Tanya. I uh, really appreciate be- being here with you. Well, Bob, you know, it's funny. We, we, it's kind of like that six degrees of uh, separation. We're all connected by people. You know, if you, if you follow your family trees and your friend trees, we're all connected somehow. So you are connected with our producer extraordinaire. He's the guy uh, here at uh, CKWR. We couldn't be on the air without him, Rob Daniels. So Rob said, you've got to talk to my uncle, Bob. He climbed the highest mountain in Africa. And I thought, yes, those are the kinds of people I want to talk to. So, Bob, it's great to have you here. And you and your wife love to travel, and you love to check things off your bucket list. That's why I'm going to love this conversation with you. So, Bob, what made you want to climb that highest mountain in Africa? Well, I've been... Uh probably wanting to do this till since my uh mid 20s it's uh kind of been a, a dream you know when you're in your, your 20s you uh you're a little um you know cocky or whatever the word is and uh you um you know i'm going to go climb that mountain and then uh kind of life gets in the way and stuff but 
um, eventually I, uh, you know, came around to uh, being able to uh, climb it. So I just set set my goal, and uh, about uh, three years ago I retired. So I just started uh, training for it and said, okay, I'm going to go and go and do it now. I said I was, so now I'm going to go do it. Wow, good for you for finally fulfilling that long time goal. Can I ask what your what your what you did retire from? I was in the uh, military for uh, 25 years, and then I did uh, computer repair for 10 years. Wow. I didn't know that, Bob. You were in the military. What was that like? 25 um, years. That was uh, quite interesting. I got to uh, travel a bit through the military. I was posted over in uh, Germany for uh, twice, one time for six years and the other time for three years. So I got around to the countries there, and I was able, through the military, I traveled to... Um, to uh, New Zealand. I was there for three months, and uh, it was a very fulfilling uh, um, career for me. Very nice. What position did you hold in the military? I was uh, a mechanic, and I worked on uh, tracked vehicles hmm. uh, with the uh, you know tanks and APCs. And so as, as the average Canadian, Bob, I'm sure you've heard the criticism of uh, the Canadian government with the military, that a lot of our military personnel are actually on food stamps because they're paid so poorly. What was your experience in the military? Uh, well, uh, when I was posted in Calgary, uh, there was actually people going uh, to pick up their welfare checks there. Um, I, th- I think the pay has uh, increased uh, uh, you know, a little more uh, equality now, but uh, I remember there was uh, orders uh, from the, the base uh, regimental sergeant major in Calgary to not show up to pick up your welfare checks uh, in uniform. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, it, it, it was a bit bit tough with uh, e- equality of pay um, in, in the, the earlier years, but uh, I, I think it's gotten better. Let's but, hope so. Uh, I, I'm, you know, I haven't uh, been in since uh, 2000, so uh, um, I, I'm not sure what the pay is now. But it was starting to pick up a bit when I was my latter years in. Well, that's good because you're 60 now, so that's good that you've managed to retire at a decent age as well. A lot of us yeah. are on the Freedom 85 plan, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, Bob, quite an accomplishment. Uh, You know, I know that your nephew, Rob, here from CKWR, he's extremely proud of what you've accomplished. And when you reflect on that, when you say, you know, yes, I am one of the few people in the world who climbed Mount Kilimanjaro, how does that make you feel? Well, uh, one of the first uh, words I I can think of is proud. Mm -hmm. It's it's a a task or... or, uh, thing that you do in life that you've uh, chosen to you haven't been uh, forced into it and then had to get it done uh, it's something that it's a uh, an extracurricular goal or activity and so I, i'm proud that i i was uh, able to uh to uh, you know do the training set the goal and and uh do that uh, the other uh, one of the other uh, feelings i'm very satisfied with uh with uh, you know doing it and um, it gives you a real, real sense of fulfillment. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And uh, um, the other thing is, is uh, uh, no matter what happens for the rest of my life, nobody can take this away from me. Yeah. It's uh, you know I've done it, and uh, well, that's uh, it's it's something that I can you know I can just proudly say that I, I've done about it, and uh, it, it's 
like being at the top was uh, it was just amazing you uh you know you you think the couple of days before you do the summit day uh you're you're wondering what what am i going to do when i get to the top what what am i going to say what what's what's going to go through my mind and it's it's so you're so full of uh euphoria and um uh, and uh it's just surreal up there wow. uh, you you've got a bit of lack of oxygen you're tired and everything's kind of seems in slow motion uh when you're up there but uh anyways it was uh it was just just uh, amazing uh um and I'm uh, I'm glad I did it for sure how long did it take you to plan the whole thing when you finally made up your mind to say okay this is this is the time this is the year I'm doing it what happened um, from there I would uh, I would say that uh like I retired uh in uh 2013 and uh we uh over winter in um in Phoenix, and we'd uh, the wife and I decided to do a little lifestyle change. So we we tidied up the diet and did some more uh, exercise and and such. And we um, between the two of us, we lost a hundred pounds. And uh, and uh, that's when I thought, okay, that's this is this is actually doable now. And so uh, I would say in the last two years, it was uh, really really serious. And I. Uh, down in uh, in Phoenix, and of course here too, I was uh, you know testing testing the waters, going on longer hikes, and uh, in Phoenix there's a lot of uh, mountain mountain um, preserve areas that mm-hmm. you can go and uh, climb climb them and test yourself. Lots and of so, places uh, to practice. Yeah, that's yeah, good. Yeah, practice, <laughs> and uh, so uh, and then then I uh, um, okay, this is doable. Let's book it. So we came back and. Uh, at the travel agency and uh, started booking. Nice. How much of a difference do you think it made in you doing this from start to finish, uh, with having your wife on board and you know part of part of your team really encouraging you and motivating you? What difference did that make for you? Well, I think you you definitely have to uh, to plan this out. Uh, you may uh, like a younger person may be able to go there and do it. Um, you know, without all the the training and stuff, but uh, I, I just didn't want to head over there without being uh, fully uh, fully uh, prepared to, to go. And so, the uh, the more preparation that I made here, the less uh, less uh, um, problems I would have there. Like mm-hmm. it was a vacation for me, so I wanted the the climb up there to be as uh, as uh, easy as possible, I guess, at the time, because it's my vacation. I don't want to endure a whole bunch of uh, problems there. So, uh, um, it, yeah, it was definitely nice having the wife on board and, uh, um, you know, encouraging, encouraging me along the way. But she, sa- she sounds like she'd be like me. If my husband announced that he wanted to climb Mount Kilimanjaro, I'd be right on his cheerleading team, but I would not be going up that mountain with him. Okay. <laughs> Did she and she didn't go either? Did she? No, no. She joined me later. Oh, very good. Because you guys went on safaris during your your stay as well. What was that like? It was uh, that was amazing too. We did a. Uh, um, she joined me about two days uh, after I came down off the mountain, and we did a seven day Tanzanian uh, safari and an eight day Kenyan safari. So we met uh, or met we we saw thousands of uh, animals and. Uh, uh, just uh, like really up close, we saw a whole bunch of uh, uh, you know baby cub, lion cubs, and um, we saw a leopard and and uh, 
thousands of gazelles and, and all that. Wow. We had the opportunity to go to a, um, it's like um, a sanctuary for animals that have been, uh, they've been abandoned or the, uh, the parents have been uh, killed or something. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we we were actually at the sanctuary and we were in, in um, these uh, three cheetah cubs had been uh, been there since uh, they were young, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, they were now four years old, and we were playing soccer with one of them, and we had our picture taken, and we were petting them. Wow. So that was amazing. Oh, wow. <laughs> yep. And then uh, in Kenya, we, uh, uh, this, uh, the game warden, we were in a jeep, and, and you're, you're not supposed to leave the jeep. That was the, the golden rule. Understandable, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the game warden... He meets us on the road there, and he's got his big gun and everything. And so he asks us if we can get out of the jeep, and we want to go for a bit of a walk. And and uh, so, anyways, uh, we're looking at our driver, and he says, "Yeah, go ahead." So he took us up, uh, and and the landscape was kind of a bushy. And he took us up and around, uh, and we we go around this one bush, and there is a there's a rhino there, like a full full grown. It was eight years old, and it was about thirty feet from us. And we're there, whoa. <laughs> oh, yeah. And that. So he's, he's taking pictures of, of us, and we have our back to the rhino, and we can hear it munching on the grass and kind of moving closer and closer. <laughs> and he, and the, the game warden, he's there, oh, just one more picture, oh, just, just one more picture. And we're there. Uh, you can actually see the series of pictures on, uh, on, the, on the wife's face. You know, it's a smile, and then it's, oh, it's not a smile, and then a little grimace and a look of concern. <laughs> Yeah, 30 feet away. I don't know if I'd be that comfortable either. It was, uh, <laughs> it was amazing. Anyways, we, we had a blast there. People have really, they really should go mm-hmm. safari there in Africa. It sounds like an extraordinary trip. I'm curious to know uh, how you chose the tour companies. Was that, a, was that a difficult task, or did you do everything online? Did you get referrals? Did a lot of research, but yeah. uh, I belong to the CAA, so uh, we went to... Uh, Went to the CAA, and we just, uh, we always seem to luck in this way. We happened to, uh, um, we picked, um, I saw one of the re- representatives there, and they happened to be an Africa um, specialist. Oh, nice. That. So, uh, um, and she'd been there several times. So we, we, we had, we'd sat down with, with her probably 15 to 20 times going over stuff, and uh and that we finally got an itinerary that we wanted and fit in with all the dates, and uh, then away we went. But we we did everything with with a tour tour guide. We didn't uh, go anywhere, you know, by ourselves. No, I don't imagine that would be recommended. Yeah. So just kudos to CAA for those listening outside of Canada. CAA is the Canadian Automobile Association. That's what it used to be. Is that? Am I still right on that, Bob? Yes. Yeah. So great organization to belong to. Um, you know, clearly this is a is a wonderful example of that because they've got a wonderful staff available to help you in your choices like that. So yeah, I wondered about that. How would you plan? They use trip? the company Go Away, which seems to specialize in Africa. Go away. Go away. G O W A Y. Go away. Oh, okay. Go away. Yeah. Very good. Well, that's good. How long a flight is it? Well, we we used KLM and we went to. Amsterdam, you take off at like five at night, some something like that, and mm-hmm. you're there the next morning, and then we had a about a two or three hour layover, and then uh, then it's eight hours down to uh, 
the Kilimanjaro International Airport. Wow. So any jet lag that you had to get over as well? Uh, yes. That I went uh, I went a, a couple of days early just so I'd get over that before I started my climb. Mm-hmm. And uh, and that. So uh, there's there's uh, it it I I I think it's worse coming back the jet lag. Yes, I've heard that too. Yeah. So was that a solo uh, adventure for you? Did you make that climb on your own? Be- well, besides the the staff that you would have had yes. with you. Uh, yeah, I I I'd wanted to uh, join a group, but the the dates for the group well, uh, didn't jive with the rest of the trip. So we had to. Um, uh, I went solo, but I opened it up to uh, to have people join me if they wished. Mm-hmm. And but I was up by myself. So there was uh, a guide, a cook and five porters that carried all the equipment up. Hmm. Did, it, did you feel isolated? Was there a language barrier? Uh, no, they speak very good English. Oh, that's good. Um, uh, very, very, very well, uh, well-spoken. Uh, I didn't have any incidents, at least the people that contact were in contact with me. So my guide and uh, the uh, there was a person that served me all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, they both spoke very good very good English. I'm, I didn't converse as much with the porters. They just went their own way and uh, went ahead and set up the tents and, and everything. But the guide was with me the whole time. So sleeping in a tent, I'm not much of a camper, uh, was that a little disconcerting with being in Africa? Um, well, not for uh, an ex-military guy. Uh, was, no, but. I guess it wouldn't be, right. <laughs> I, uh, I, I ordered a, uh, a cot Mm-hmm. And uh, of course, uh, they provided the sleeping bag, and uh, so with with the cot, I was off the ground, and and I uh, I also ordered a foam like a foam mattress, a fairly fairly thin one, but uh, that and the cot was uh, was okay. And the tent, because I ordered the cot, the tent was high enough that I could stand in. Oh, nice. That so uh, the accommodations were good. The food was fantastic. Nice. And. Um, uh, yeah, everything uh, you could. I couldn't ask ask for anything else. Than what they uh, took up there with them, I just couldn't believe all the equipment they had to carry. Oh, sounds extraordinary. So, from start to finish, from the time you left to the time you returned, what was it like going up? How long did it take, and then to coming down take uh, less time? Uh, it's, it was seven days total, mm-hmm. and it's uh, five and a half to go up, and one and a half to come down. Five and a half to go up. So uh, and the, it, it probably could take uh, less time, but they want you up on the mountain to acclimatize yourself mm-hmm. and that uh, to the altitude. So we we'd, we'd uh, we kind of started at the west end of the mountain and worked away along the south part, and then we ended up going up up the um, the, the northeast route. So there's uh, several routes to you can use to go up there, and I choose I chose the. Uh, uh, Mashami route, mm-hmm. if that's how it's pronounced, and uh, it it uh, allowed me to to take an extra day for acclimatization. Was that your biggest challenge, the acclimatization, or maybe blisters? Um, the blisters coming down for sure, and uh, and uh, the uh, I, I found the the heat actually, mm. uh, believe it or not, mm-hmm. uh, the heat on day three and four. It's it's like a desert up there, and uh, there's uh, after the first day there's no trees and there's no no real shade except for ro- rock outcroppings and uh, and so the the heat bearing down on you climbing uh, you know uh, you got to climb three thousand 
4,000 feet a day. Mm-hmm. That is, and, that's uh, pretty significant to do in the hot uh, sun. That was yeah. a bit tough. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> no no luck having a porter carrying a, a sunshade or anything uh, no, following no. you up? <laughs> Ooh, my little carousel. <laughs> I think I'd pay extra for that. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's an extraordinary trip. Did you keep a journal? What did you do as you were making that, oh, that trek? Oh, you know what? It's so imprinted in my brain, I, I don't think I'll uh, I'll be uh, uh, forgetting that for a while. Good. However, the the uh, on return, the, the wife always makes up a uh, a scrapbook. Mm-hmm. Made a, a PowerPoint presentation that we uh, we've had some uh, some friends and family over to show the pictures and tell the story. Nice. Each time we tell it, we, we you know we remember. Relive it. it. I, yeah. I won't forget that for a long time. Amazing. It'd be nice if you actually uh, outlined the experience on a blog or something as well, because people love to get referrals it, and kind of live vicariously. Um, on a website that I've kind of just uh, um, uh, shared with uh, family and friends right now. Mm-hmm. That'd be a good idea to open it up to the world, Bob, because I know not only do people like to live vicariously through others who have actually, you know, have the courage and have taken the actions to do these extraordinary trips, but if, you know, we're thinking about doing it, it's always good to have referrals of great experiences, Mm. and it certainly sounds like you've had that. Yeah. Wonderful. I'm curious to know, with your background, Bob, being a military guy, you know, kind of that... um, that kind of tough guy military mentality, how you feel about um, law of attraction kind of philosophies and whether or not you think a positive attitude uh, is a better attitude to have. What are your thoughts on that? Did you even think about that when you were through your career? Um, Oh, yes, yeah. Uh, I'm I'm under the... the, uh, assumption that everybody should have a happy uh happy uh thoughts and stuff and they they should they, they shouldn't be going through life at all uh like grumpy so, that must have been hard to do in the military though i would have thought um, yeah you have to you know you have to take the orders and and uh and that but you can uh always still have uh have some fun even though you have to do some grueling stuff Look on the bright side. Yeah. Well, social scientists, I've said this um, many times to people because, uh, you know, I, I jokingly call myself your perpetually positive pal. And, you know, that can be annoying to some people who think that positivity is overrated. But in fact, positive thoughts actually generate a healing response. There's more and more evidence of that all the time now. I interview uh, social scientists and even doctors who work in chronic care say that positive thoughts, no question they generate a healing response. In fact, the emotion of happiness creates endorphins, and that's our naturally produced human opiate, And also oxytocin, which is also known as the happy hormone, Bob. So I'm curious to know, do you have a happy ritual in your life? Um, I don't know whether we have an actual ritual, but uh, one thing we do is we we do like to get outdoors as as much as possible and get into the, uh, like, and and when I say outdoors, I don't mean we're going to go for a walk around the block of the neighborhood. We like to get into the woods and and, uh, it's, to me, it refreshes the batteries. Really connect with nature. Yeah, a lot of people yeah, say and that. And we're fortunate mm-hmm. enough in Hamilton to uh, have the uh, have the escarpment, the escarpment going through the, yeah, the city, ex- and uh, mm-hmm. we have a lot lots of woods and, and uh, forests we can um, 
we can uh, pike through. And I think the the actual uh, expenditure of energy hiking uh, helps helps get the uh, as you say the, the happy thoughts the going. endorphins going yeah. yeah. So between you and your wife, you lost a hundred pounds. That is pretty yeah. extraordinary in itself. And you, you've managed to keep it off. For the most part, uh, we're we're overwintering here uh, this year because the. Uh, the uh, travel budget got blown in Africa, but <laughs> <laughs> so we're so, uh, we've, we've uh, we're being bad people here right now. We've put on a bit, but that's okay. Winter weight. We've yeah. we've managed to keep uh, most of it off. That's yeah. good. I'm curious to know how um, what kinds of media messages created your thought patterns. Like, do, do you think media messages, negative media messages telling us that we're never attractive enough, we're never slim enough, we're never anything enough, we're never enough, did those affect you when you're thinking about eating and you're looking at all these magazines with guys telling you how you should look? Did that affect how um, you felt I, about yourself? I don't think so uh, much. Uh, to, to be honest, I don't even, uh, I don't watch the news. Good. I, have, I haven't watched the news for I don't know thirty years. Like uh, you know, I, I, obviously I hear about news, but uh-huh. uh, I don't sit down at, and watch the six o'clock and the eleven o'clock news. Um, uh, of course, as I said, I, I hear about it from people, but uh, of course, I I try and um, uh, you know if uh, if if, if it's uh, negative news too much, I, I try and try and put some sort of positive spin on on. Uh, world events, or um, I'm a kind of a glass half full type of person, so I, uh, I try and uh, stay, away from, uh, stay away from that sort of stuff. What do you think keeps you a glass half full person, and why are the majority of people glass half empty people, do you think? Uh, well, I, I think it's because they're pounded uh, every day with, uh, with all these uh, uh, negative stuff on, on the news, and, and uh, it's... Uh, as as I, I think you said earlier, um, it's uh, it, it takes uh, three positive thoughts to uh, to uh, override a negative one. So mm-hmm. you just hear it and hear it all day long, and uh, it's uh, it's it's not good for for a person's health. No, it wears you down. Well, it's estimated that we human beings process about 70,000 thoughts every day. That's mind-boggling to me. And, of course, most of those thoughts are negative because they're being influenced by all these negative messages, whether com- whether they're coming from news or advertising. I mean, heck, I know I can't even stand to get my groceries in line without seeing all of these uh, rag magazines telling me that I need to lose 10 pounds. So we're getting it from everywhere, not only mainstream media, but, you know, these messages also come from our family, maybe our teachers, our friends, even our coworkers, and you know what? Even my neighbor loves to complain. So I'm curious, Bob, what strategies could you recommend for offsetting negativity? Um, well, uh, like I said before, don't watch the news. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's first and, and uh, foremost. Yep. Um, I... I try to avoid negative people. Mm, that's tough to do. Yeah. Yeah. If uh, if you're gonna yak all day about this stuff, uh, then uh, you can go somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Or I try and shift the conversation to to something more uh, 
more pleasant. Very good. That. Or or see the other the other side of uh, try and uh, you know see the other side of things. Mm-hmm. Devil's advocate, as you say. Very good. And uh, so that's uh, that's kind of some coping mechanisms. Uh, that's great advice. Yeah. And a question that I always love to stump everybody with at the end, Bob: What do you think creates a fulfilling life? Oh boy. Um, <laughs> Well, I I think you have to enjoy what you're doing. Mm-hmm. So if if you um, uh, I have a two autos I always give people. Uh, if you're having fun, you shouldn't be doing it. So people that are in their 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 dead end jobs or jobs they don't like, uh, you know, you you spend eight hours a day at your job, and you hate it, uh, and you come. You, you come home, it's going to be hard to pick yourself up. Mm, absolutely. And uh, the other, um, I think you got to know what you want in life. You mm. have to have uh, some sort of, uh, uh, you know, 10-year, 5-year, 1-year goals that you want to get, uh, get, get accomplished. And uh, they, they have to be uh, a little more specific than uh, make money, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I think he, the a person needs to um, sit down and actually uh, uh, set set these goals with a time frame, and and then they got to make uh, they make got to make a plan to uh, to um, uh, you know that fits fits the time frame for the goal so that they can uh, achieve take the it. action absolutely. And then they they actually can't just sit back. They got to do the work to. Uh, the, uh, to to uh, work the plan that they, they just did. Fantastic advice. Bob, not Nagel, thank you so much for joining us on The Good News Only. Safe and happy travels, Bob. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Bob, not Nagel, accomplished what very few of us do, climbed Mount Kilimanjaro. Awesome feat. And I leave you with my wish for you, as always, to live well, laugh often, love always, and, of course, you want to stay positive. Stay positive.